Hi everyone, welcome to the latest edition of Pro Wrestling Defined and joining me on the show tonight from Cheap Heat Productions, a podcast that you can find on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcasts. He's had some great guests on there, Shane Bigelow, uh, Trademark, uh, even Bird from Judge Judy. He's had some really great outside-the-box guests and uh, it's great to have him on to discuss our favourite and most memorable feuds of all time. Morris Shortall, how are you doing today, man? I'm great, man. It's good to be on your side this time. Yeah, definitely. No, I, the the chat on yours was, was was great. So yeah, it's it's awesome to have have you on the show, man. And uh, so uh, start off by uh, telling people a bit about uh, GP Productions. How you started off the podcast? Uh, well, I started promotion um, in 2018 for wrestling events up in Dublin when I was living there. So from that. Then we started to get into rock club nights because I'm into rock music as well. And we ended up doing shows in Port Leash then and a few in Kilkenny and different places around Ireland. So it's been going well. But obviously since the pandemic then that put a stop to everything. So I decided, like everyone else, because nearly everyone's got a podcast now, we may as well just get one out there, you know. So it's a way of me keeping active and kind of keeping the name out there for when we can eventually go back to clubs and do stuff that I'm kind of not been sitting in the dark really when it comes to maybe promoters looking at my stuff and they see okay he's still active so I think it'll stand to me in the future for doing nights and things like that and that's why I started. Definitely man and like you've had some great guests and everything so like yeah the the, the podcast is doing really well and I enjoy your stuff so um, definitely everybody check that out on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else. But um, so we'll uh, get into it, um, our most memorable uh, feuds of all time. Um, who are you starting off with as your uh, number one? Well, the first one I had down was The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, just because my favorite era is the Attitude Era. I think yours is a little bit before that, yeah? I'm undecided. It isn't Attitude Era. Maybe kind of the latter part of that. But I'm kind of torn between like early to mid 90s and like the ruthless aggression era i'm kind of between those two a little bit and yeah carry on <laughs> yeah we'll get into that in a different episode <laughs> we will yeah yeah, yeah. i'll only blame. so uh yeah the rock and austin anyway and it culminated in their three wrestlemania matches and the lead up to 19 was um really good really good soundtrack really good wrestlemania and one thing I remember about that mania was like the promo with the Limp Biscuit song, Crack Addicts, my favorite band as well, performed twice that night. So it was perfect. And obviously yeah. my favorite WrestleMania for like all those reasons. But in the lead up to that match, The Rock said that nobody remembers Act 1 and Act 2. He said, everyone remembers Act 3. And that's kind of stood the test of time because we didn't know at the time that it was going to be Austin's last match. Mm-hmm. So... With all that into consideration, like I think that their feud, which ended with Steve Austin basically retiring after that few appearances here and there, I think it was really one of the best rivalries I've seen. Definitely can't argue with any of that. And it was one of the highest drawing rivalries of all time. And their match quality was awesome as well. And uh, yeah, no, so I definitely back you up on that. That that was absolutely uh, amazing. but uh, I'd say for my first one, I'm going to go with uh, Undertaker Sean. Um, okay. <clears throat> like the history there is incredible. Even going back to 1997, the first Hell in a Cell, which is it's my second favorite Hell in a Cell match. My first one is Brock and Undertaker from 2002. That's such an underrated gem, I think. Um, no mercy. 
yeah, no more yeah. CO2. Unbelievable. Un- unbelievable. I mean, it's cringy to work, look back on now because it's an absolute bloodbath. Like, but, yeah. uh, oh man, the drama of that. It was such a changing of the gear. But I, I'll, I'll get to that later because that ties in with one of my other ones. But um, Sean and Taker, the two WrestleManias, WrestleMania 25 and 26, like the match quality is just unbelievable but the story like leading into wrestlemania 25 the hell heaven and hell dynamic you know tying sean's real life christianity and undertaker's dark character uh, into it like was just so well pulled off in the lead up and even the entrances in the match like was just perfect and that's my favorite actual match of all time as well the one from 25 it was just an absolute masterpiece but uh but i think the lead up to wrestlemania 26 of their match is my favorite of all time because just the way they did it, like the, the way they played it off the end of the Sean Undertaker match at um, 25, the way Sean wrestled, nearly a perfect match, but he made that one mistake at the end by going for the moonsault and Taker caught him into the tombstone and won it. And like that etched Sean up and he kind of unravels then for the year after that. And oh, they just played it so well. And then remember the, um, the uh, promo with the running up that hill uh, the yeah. placebo song running up that hill. Oh my god! Like that's up there with the uh, Rock Austin My Way one for me. I think that is so good. And like it, the it's it it was almost a full year of build. Like you know, it was just unbelievable. And I don't think I've ever been quite as hyped up for a match as Sean and Taker twenty six. I prefer the WrestleMania twenty five match. I think it's just that little bit better. Twenty six is amazing as well with the drama of Sean retiring. But yeah, WrestleMania twenty six. That's uh, the lead up to that is definitely the the probably my favorite of all time. Uh, well, what, what's your next pick? Just on that, like Shawn Michaels was always great at uh, playing that character. Like Shawn has lost his smile, and he was like so believable every time. Like when Shawn Michaels was down and out, like when they were trashing him over his drug use and things like mm-hmm. that. Like you know, he could re- he could really sell. Like and I suppose like when you look at him, the way he portrayed that. Hell in a Cell match as well as a special guest referee that type. The emotion, like, that's what that was all about, emotion. But on, on the side note, like, the first ever pay-per-view, like, I was 10, and I stayed up, I snuck up to watch this pay-per-view live when I was 10. It was the Royal Rumble 1998. And Sean was fighting Undertaker that night as well in the casket match, where, like, after the match then came, burnt the Undertaker alive in the casket. So yeah. I'm, I'm always a sucker for the gimmicks as well. Big time. Oh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I absolutely love love that as well. Um, especially when you're looking back at stuff when you were really young and it was still real and everything. Like Undertaker Yokozuna is one of those for me. Like you know, it's a sentimental favorite um, that way as well. But um, I'd say the 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 um, oh wait, uh, sorry, your your next pick was yeah. Just on one more note on that about those gimmicky matches and stuff. I've got my one year old hooked on the Kane and Shane ambulance match from Survivor Series. <laughs> I was in three at the moment. He watches it every day. He oh, actually, man. And he's, he's like, he's so into it. But any other wrestling match I put on, nope, doesn't want to know about. Really? Yeah, God, it's just that one match. That's crazy. It's a good thing yeah. he doesn't get to the Vince uh, Undertaker buried alive. <laughs> that's gruesome, man. Jeez. <laughs> that's oh. that's gas, though. Yeah. Kids, you can't predict them. <laughs> no, I think yeah, the future is bright for him anyway. Yeah, my second, my second one was not necessarily like a, a wrestling one. 
well, not not as in in ring wrestling, but it was McMahon and Austin, mm. just for what it was and the time it was at and what it brought together and the Attitude Era like wouldn't have been what it was. I know it had DX as well and it had various other characters, but if it wasn't for Steve Austin, I don't think going through that stuff with Vince McMahon and everything, I think that really helped carry the whole era through as well as it like he was such a big star like he was the guy all the mm. time it's like you'll never see arena pops like steve austin no you know because i think it was at an era where like bad behavior was almost encouraged back then you know yeah there was girls flashing in the crowd there was guys down in beers like you have on ecw the sandman was coming out smashing beers off his head like it was just really amped up like a Shane Bigelow that we both had on our podcast like he talked about going to an ECW show and just having that raw energy and that smell of beer like when you go in like just yeah, a different yeah. time you know it really was and like, yeah it was um it was the uh, the era of the anti-hero and like that that's uh, that storyline just kind of encapsulated all of that so it was the perfect storm for Austin and then he had the rock then coming on the the heels uh, of that as well like yeah. so it was just the perfect storm like you know everything kind of came together at the same time like you know so it was unbelievable um but uh i'd say for my next one i'm going to go with brock and undertaker um kind of ties like the whole history of it not just you know revolving revolving around the streak or anything but like going back to 2002 um like that hell in a cell and like even the unforgiven match before that was fantastic but like there was yeah. such it's so crazy to think that even at that time like everybody was wondering like oh is this it for undertaker in 2002 you know <laughs> is is this it like you know because i remember after the hell in a cell match at no mercy or two he came out and um you know, he said he'd nearly give me a heart attack at, at the time, like, because Undertaker was my favorite. He comes out and he says, you know, like, this isn't going to be easy, but after 10 years or whatever, like, my body's been through a lot or something. And then Big Show comes out and interrupts him and throws him off the stage. But, you know, he, it sounded like he was going to retire. I swear, yeah. I, I'll never forget. I remember SmackDown over here was on in, on Saturday mornings back then. And... Uh, like I remember watching with my friend, like when Undertaker said that, I was just like, oh, "No, <laughs> you know, no, 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 please, no." But like that match is so dramatic. Like there's almost that changing of the guard um, dynamic there. Like you know, where like it's an absolute war, but Brock, you know, Taker has him for the tombstone at the end, and that was kind of the. I think that was only the first or second time where they did that thing where you know Brock reversed it into the tombstone himself, but then flipped him into the F5 and won it like and. It was just a changing of the guard. And uh, then all of those years later, like Brock goes on to UFC and does his thing and everything. And Undertaker, you know, cements his legacy even, you know, 10 times more in the in that space of time. Like, and then Brock comes back and then Brock ends the streak. And like, I mean, what can you say about that moment? I mean, I think that's, I think that's the only <clears throat> moment that's come uh, close to not topping but almost equaling the kind of iconicness of uh, andre and hogan i think that's the only thing that comes close well maybe hogan and rock is up there as yeah. well and hogan and warrior but uh, any anything without hogan <laughs> we put it that way <laughs> um 
because everything he did seemed to freaking be iconic like Bruce uh I think yeah that that moment I mean like just the breath going out of the crowd and that guy with the big eyes in the front row and just reaction I mean yeah it really was like and I remember even for myself at home I couldn't speak you know I I literally could not get a word and I was there with a friend of mine another friend uh, rang me and I was on the phone and I couldn't get my words out it was just the weirdest thing has never happened to me before in my life it was the weirdest thing and it's it's funny to be able to shut me up when it comes to wrestling, like, you know, <laughs> as people will notice, like, I'm glad. But, uh, yeah, so, and then, like, you know, Undertaker comes back and they, like, their SummerSlam match at, I think, was it 2015, 2016? I think it's 2015. That's absolutely awesome. So just that whole span of time. I love rivalries that, you know, really span time and kind of, you know, interlock with other things going on. And uh, so, yeah, Undertaker and Brock is, is my next one. Do you know, it was really cool as well, that time where Undertaker showed up at the UFC and stared him down. Oh, that was so good. I mean, that's that stirred the shit at the time. Like, that was everywhere. That was class. And, like, he didn't come back for, like, a year or two at least after that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it was another, yeah, yeah, about another two years or so, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame, like, if they capitalized the office at that time, like, that would have been super hot, like. Yeah. Right, the next one I'm going to go for is Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Oh. Yeah, so basically the way they started out in DX. <clears throat> and then, like, Shawn was going into WrestleMania 14 before his back injury with Austin. He had a great match with Austin at 14 where Tyson was involved but he was carrying a really bad injury all throughout that. So after he lost that match, like he was gone for years and years and Triple H took the guard, obviously married Stephanie, turned into one of the biggest wrestlers in the company. And then in 2002, Sean comes back and they do the whole DX thing and then Triple H turns on him. And um, they had a great street fight unsanctioned match at SummerSlam 2002. And I remember watching that, like, and I was still a bit, a good bit younger at the time. So I was devastated after that match when Triple H, like, put that hammer into his back, man. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, he's gone. He's gone. He's finished. He can't come back. Like, it was still yeah. almost believable to me at that time, you know? Yeah. I just thought, oh, no, there's no way he's coming back. And then for him to go back into the chamber... And win the title it was beautiful it mm. was brilliant you know and then fast forward again the dx stuff which with kind of when they got back together it was underrated when they were doing uh shane and and vince and the spirit squad and the taking the piss and all that stuff was really really good as well and the shane and vince impressions alone like were worth oh that so good yeah so good <laughs> Uh, what 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 was the line that he used to always do uh, when when he was impersonating Shane? Oh God! Um, I remember, but I remember he said that oh. I Vincent Kennedy McMahon love dicks. <laughs> he was talking about Dick Cheney and Dick Clark. Yeah, and yeah. Various other dicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was brilliant. That was. Uh, did you see all those memes that went up recently, kind of about that with uh, with when the whole peacock deal uh, came no. through? Like you know, it's the picture from Vince back then when they they had the the uh, the squiggly writing, you know, of like uh, Vince loves cocks and uh, yeah. it's, uh, Vince loves peacock or whatever. <laughs> they were right, good. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, Sean and Triple H is up there for me as well because um, like just 
like everything you were saying, stages with the two of them because, like, at SummerSlam 2002, I was just ecstatic to see Sean back because I love yeah. Sean. And uh, and I, I was the same as you at the end of the match. I was, like, wishing death on Triple H, like, for, <laughs> you know, using the hammer. But um, <clears throat> fast forward into 2000 and, like, end of 2003, start of 2004, like, Triple H was one of my main guys because, like, I was really studying the business at that point, and I, I just loved his work. I, I still, to this day, think his actual in-ring work um, is underrated. But, yeah. um their match, The Last Man Standing, Royal Rumble 2004. God, that's so good. Like, it's really brutal as well, but just the story they tell in it is just amazing. But yeah, and then later on, like, it ties into the, the Undertaker the, stuff. The Undertaker stuff. Yeah, so we had a little bit of a tech issue there. So for now we're back. And yeah, uh, yeah so um, I think we were on the, my, my last pick. Um so I, I've been kind of racking my brain with this one because uh, I, I was stuck between two. But I'd say since my two other ones were based around Undertaker, um, like I had Undertaker Brock and Sean and Undertaker, I'll go for a non-Undertaker one for this because he was in the, the other one I was considering as well. But uh, the other one is Sting and Hogan from uh, WCW in 1997, 96-97. I mean, yeah. talk about one that spanned time and like, I know the finish left it down a little, a little bit in the end at Starcade '97, but like the people still erupt at the end, like so it almost didn't matter. But the build up to that, oh, like I wasn't watching WCW at the time. Um, I actually was. Oh, really? I was in the opposite. I only started watching uh, WWF as it was in late '97, and that's why the first one. The first pay-per-view I seen was Rumble 98. Like, So I was watching WCW because remember over here, we used to have Cartoon Network and then at nine o'clock on a Friday night, that switcheroo came around and yeah. Nitro came on and that's how I started into wrestling. God, that's mad. Um, God, that must have been such a cool time to be watching because I didn't start watching WCW till 99, till mid-99. Yeah. Um, like the first night I watched this... Uh, uh, I think Kevin Nash was against Sid, I think, and then Sting was kind of with Nash at the time, and then the fake Sting came out and everything. But I, I loved, even though WCW was starting to kind of go down a bit, like I was only 10, so like I thought it was amazing at the time. But uh, that's Was that when Thunder was on the go as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Thunder was there at the time as well. Like, yeah, we yeah. had that over here. But uh, Sting and Hogan, like... Um, so I didn't see that stuff till a couple of years later, maybe early 2000s, I got one of those uh, WCW best of uh, VHSs. And uh, it was the best of Sting or Sting Back in Black, something like that anyway. And they showed there was a highlight package on that whole feud, the build from Sting turning from the, you know, the surfer Sting into the Crow Sting and that whole transition and the NWO. And like the way it was built was so good, the way like everybody was starting to doubt Sting because of the fake Sting. And yeah. that's what kind of caused him to go into kind of, um, you know, to kind of brood away and, you know, turn into this mysterious kind of broken character. Like, and then, you know, he's coming then to avenge WCW and take down the NWO. Like, you know, he had this great Avenger kind of vigilante dynamic at the time. Like, mm. and uh, so the lead up to that, I think the, um, I'll never forget on that video, the, the VHS 
they showed the intro package, the intro promo that they did for Starcade 97 of Sting. Do you remember that where he's like in the warehouse, like this broken down warehouse and like it's raining and, you know, it's very reminiscent of yeah. the crawl. Like, oh, I think I do remember that. Yeah. Oh, I still think it's the best intro ever. I mean, yeah. uh, th- there's a great, there are great captions in it. It's like he's witnessed the ruin of an empire. Now he, uh, now he seeks out the the ruin of one man, and you know it shows Hogan, and oh, it's just amazing the, stuff. Like at the time watching that, I was only like nine, going on ten, you know. So we didn't actually have the pay per views over here at this time, but you'd always you'd always see kind of the fallout from them. Yeah, and like it's definitely something I need to revisit and watch some of those pay per view matches because at the time I didn't see them. And you're just kind of having the weekly show, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was really annoying. Because I remember, like, I like when I got into it in 99, and I was big, even though WCW in 2000 is often kind of crapped upon, you know, I loved it at the time. Like, you know, when Steiner was champion and Nash was good and Chronic then as well. Shout out to Brian Adams. Yeah. Or, or uh, to Brian Clark, sorry. Um, Brian Adams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but... Uh, like you know there was there there was definitely some good within that period of time like but uh yeah sting and hogan anyway like god that 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 storyline like it was just it's hard to top you know it's just a pity the match didn't work out that bit better but like that storyline was just so perfectly done he was sting at his very peak and the way he he didn't speak you know, for that whole year, year and a half, you know, he did the whole thing without speaking and then repelling yeah. from the rafters, you know, there's so much great stuff. But yeah, definitely go back and watch that intro. I, I'm pretty sure it's actually on YouTube even, like, you know, if I'd you just so, yeah. um, type in Starcade 97 promo, it's just awesome stuff. Like, so yeah, so for me, uh, my top ones anyway, Taker, Sean, Taker, Brock, and uh, uh, Sting Hogan. Kane and Taker was the other one I was thinking. Rock and Cena, yeah. that year-long build-up was up there as well. Like, but yeah, if I had to narrow it down to three, I'll throw those in there. I think it's nice for WCW to get a mention in there as well, though. You know, because it's what I started off watching. But I think the the edginess of WWE at the time and me becoming a teenager kind of that solidified what route I was going to go down, so to speak. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was just being young at that time, like and and seeing all that unfold. You know, like there was there was moments during those times where like you'd be cringing to have your parents watching it with you and they'd be wondering like what is going on? You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of those Like I I remember I remember I remember seeing the Katie Vick thing like um with my grandparents, you know? Oh. Now it wasn't. I don't. I don't think it was the full thing. Like they were kind of freezing some of it, but they were wondering, like, what is going on? You know. Gosh, who the hell came up with that idea? Like, yeah. That's but if amazing. if if AEW can be half as entertaining as WCW in the future, they'll be doing very well. I think. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Like, because WCW ninety six to. 98 even kind of early 99 mid mid 99 um wcw was on fire and like they had their the whole show was really um like even their undercard was really good like the cruiserweight division and everything like so they were kind the of firing like, yeah oh he was super cool Hoover 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 Hoover. Hoover. yeah yeah 
like there were serious Mysterio. wrestlers there. Oh, there yeah, Rey Mysterio. Was. Mysterio won that world title uh, pretty young as well there. Yeah, and uh, oh, uh, Dean Malenko, he was the, the other one I was going to mention. He was class in WCW as well. A lot of guys like Jericho, Benoit, lots of them, you know, got their got their kind of first big break there. Like you know, so it was it was it was hot stuff at the time. Like you know, but I think that Hogan Sting that year and a half, I think that's WCW's pinnacle. You know, I think yeah. you know nothing. Nothing tops it. I think Luger was at his peak at that time as well. If you look at it, when he beat Hogan for the title, I mean, the place just erupts. He was so over uh, during that time, like you know. So he's, um, yeah, he, he he was unreal during that time. It was such a stacked roster, like you know, it's a hard time. To, it's a hard time to beat. The only thing that came close to it was the resurrection and the carnage from Goldberg. Sorry, what was that? I said the only thing that kind of came close to it was the resurrection and the carnage of Goldberg with his streak. Oh, unbelievable. I can't believe I didn't mention Goldberg there, actually. Like, yeah, 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 God. He was unbelievable. Like, I remember, I think it was the second week I watched, uh, second week I got WCW, like, you know, Goldberg was just coming back from injury. And uh, he changed the music to the Crusham music. And uh, like they did this video package on him. He's one of the few wrestlers like I distinctly remember seeing for the very first time. Like, God, he was unbelievable at that time. Like, you know, he was he was on such a such a role. Like, you know, so um, their roster was absolutely amazing. It was an unreal time to to be watching it. So hopefully, AEW can kind of like there's good and there's bad there, but I think um, like they need to get the. Their stuff together a little bit. It's a bit of a jumbled mess at times. I, I find like so. Hopefully they yeah. can they can get it together and we can have a bit more competition in the shows. Like because like you know this Wednesday night war thing. I mean that's that's really a joke. Like I mean come on, it's WWE's developmental territory against their you know their full strength thing. Like you know. Yeah, I think uh, you see with Jericho now coming on Austin's podcast, and I don't really think that's. It's even in Vince's Vince's mindset, but I think it could be in Triple H's though, because like the wrestling element of NXT and AEW is very similar. Mm. But, like the, the the product of Raw and SmackDown and AEW is completely different. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, definitely. But, so it'll be uh, interesting to see where these potential crossovers lead us. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of uncharted territory. I think it's kind of. Um, it kind of shows uh, how unthreatened Vince is in a way that he would let something like that happen. Because, I mean, back in the day, he would have never let, you know, The Rock interview Sting or something like that. I know it's a different mm. thing now, WWE Network and its media and, you know, it's a different world. Like, But at the same time, I don't think there would have been any crossover of any yeah. kind, you know, back in the day. So I, I think it shows he doesn't really see them as a as a viable threat, like, you know. But it also goes to show, like Jericho has always said since he left, that he's got a great relationship with Vince McMahon. You can't really challenge that. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it pays to uh, keep uh, keep him in in their good books, like because Jericho will probably end up coming back at some stage. Like you know, he's a WWE guy underneath it all. Like you know, so hopefully, anyway, I'd love to see him back. I love Jericho, like so, I'd love to see him back at some point. But. Um, any uh, any feud you want to give a honourable mention to before uh, before we strike off? Oh, that's a good question. I I had obviously Undertaker and Kane down here as well. 
Yeah. Let me think off the top of my head. I think CM Punk and Cena have done some good things. Ooh, uh, yeah. Edge and Cena. Edge and Cena. Oh, yeah. 2006. Yeah. That was hot stuff, man. Mm. Uh, who else? Do, 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 do. Man, I can't think of any off the top of my head. You put me on the spot. <laughs> I know. I, I actually hit me put on the spot as well. Apologies. <laughs> I know. I could never think. One does, they one they stand mind. out. Yeah, yeah, no, Agent Cena, especially, Jesus, that I love that. I think that was Cena nearly at one of his absolute peaks. Cena Orton as well had a, a really great feeling. Yeah. They, they did a lot of good stuff. And uh, one that sprung to mind for me as well, kind of from childhood as well, is uh, Rock and uh, Triple H. Their yeah. stuff was, whoo. And like, there was a fair bit of real life, you know, kind of a bit Tension. of heat there as well, you know, out of competition and stuff. But God, I was so into that feud back then. I hated Triple H back then and loved Rock. And it's kind of the other way around for me nowadays. <laughs> but yeah, yeah uh, that that was awesome. And like the last one, you know, from a real sentimental point of view is uh, Undertaker Yokozuna. Oh, I just absolutely loved that feud as a kid. Like, you know, it's one of my first memories, you know, Undertaker sitting up from the bonsai and the casket match Survivor Series 94 with Chuck Norris as the enforcer. And all that. <laughs> that Give me a casket match every day of the week, man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, classic. Even Undertaker comma in a casket, like, I'll watch that. Like, you know. Yeah. First, uh, yeah, no, great, fucking great stuff. Like, Jesus. But uh, yeah, geez, it's uh, been uh, great to, to get you back on anyway, man. And uh, it's been great chatting. I love uh, reminiscing on the feuds with you and uh, we'll chat again at some point. We will. We'll get into WrestleMania 19 soon. Top to Def- bottom. Definitely. Definitely. But uh, a favorite for both of us. Like, so yeah, we'll definitely get into that. So yeah, cheers for coming on, man. No better, man. Thanks a million. Thank you for tuning in to Pro Wrestling Defined on YouTube. Please like the video if you enjoyed it and subscribe to the YouTube channel to keep up with all future content. And please follow Pro Wrestling Defined on Twitter, Instagram and like us on Facebook.